0: As we saw last time looking at David's life after his victory over Goliath he was the toast of Israel at its brightest and shining light everybody loved and approved of David 1 Samuel 18 verse 5 whatever Saul sent him to do David did so successfully that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the people and Saul's officers as well. David loved Saul and was glad to serve and he led a section of the army and also he played the harp to soothe Saul's depressing moods. As far as he was concerned, his career was laid out in front of him as the anointed king. His game plan was clear. When Saul died, he would become king. Jonathan, who loved David as his own soul, also believed that eventually David would be king. And in fact, he put his own kingly robe on him. However, David did not reckon on the evil of Saul's sinful nature. If he thought thought that Saul would just hand the kingdom over to him and not to Jonathan, he was greatly mistaken. Blood is thicker than water, as they say. So with David's ever-increasing popularity and success, the green-eyed monster of jealousy and envy just took hold of Saul and led him into a life of pierced hatred of David and violence against him. However, regardless of how hard Saul tried and with the help of spies throughout the land, he was never able to destroy David. During this initial period of Saul's persecution, as we saw last week, David lost every support which had been the security of his life, his position, his wife, his mentor, his closest friend, Jonathan, and even his own self-respect. During this time, we don't have any psalms of praise from David, nor any words of plea and prayer, no affirmation of his trust in God, because he is reeling, absolutely reeling, From the reality that although he has done nothing wrong, Saul wants to kill him. And what's more, God is letting it happen. The fact of the matter is that he is on a me trip of why. And then we read 1 Samuel 22 verse 1. David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Adullam was a town halfway between Gath and David's own hometown of Bethlehem and nearby were a whole mass of caves which were an ideal hiding place for anyone on the run. When he reached the cave at Adullam, it was the lowest Point of his life from where he sat everything he dreamed of everything that he expected in the future was gone his game plan was in ruins and despair and loneliness were his only friends he was alone in a dark cave away from everybody except the Lord. He is literally at the bottom of the barrel. It was there, in the midst of that darkness and despair, that finally he changed. And it was there that he wrote Psalm 140. And this psalm has two themes. One is a confession of need and dependence. Look at these verses from Psalm 140. I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the King of mercy. Look and see. There is no one at my right hand. No one is concerned for me. I I have no refuge, no one cares for my life. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me." David is giving vent to the agony of his soul. He has come to the realization that without God, He has no answers, and he has nowhere to go. He comes to that moment when he realises, not just in theory, but in reality, God is his only hope. That was just the place to which God wanted to bring him. Until this moment, his thinking had entirely revolved around the me thing but through all these losses all that inner man of pride self-sufficiency had all been broken down and so there's no longer why has this happened to me where is god in all of this as there was in the preceding chapters he never said a word about that. He beginning to understand God's purpose. It's a very difficult thing, isn't it? When we are falsely accused, when we are mistreated, when we've done nothing wrong. I had an experience of this uh, back in my early ministry where a, a particular deacon told a lie about me and uh, i exposed that lie to the diaconate uh, there was no uh, the, the deacon admitted he had lied uh, the, he didn't he gave no apology the diaconate didn't do anything about it either and by then i'd moved on to another church and so i was angry at him i was angry at the diaconate and i was angry at god <laughs> all three Well, when I was beginning my ministry at this church, God has has such a sense of humor, you know, because I felt I needed to preach on 1 Corinthians 13. (laughs) Can you imagine? And here I am with all this anger and resentment and somehow feeling this need to preach on 1 Corinthians 13. And I remember as I began the preparation, I was reading the verses I just went, <laughs> and I thought I can't do this anymore. And in that wonderful moment, you know, what I like about it is that God speaks, when God speaks to us in our heart through the spirit, he speaks in our own language. And you know, at that occasion, he didn't say to me, John, I think you need to reflect and uh, give further consideration to the motives in, that are behind your resentment i think you need to take time to examine your consciousness about these matters no you know what the lord said to me randall when are you going to drop it <laughs> simple as that and at that moment i said lord i forgive him and life went on that's where David's got to the point where he can no longer go on with the me thing and so in this in these verses from Psalm 140 there's a confession of need a confession of dependence and then secondly there's a declaration of faith Look at these verses from Psalm 140. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way in the path where I walk. I cry to you, uh, Lord. I say to you, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Set me free from my prison that I may praise your name. Then Then the righteous will gather about me Because of your goodness to me. David is back in his relationship with God. He was well aware that he was in a precarious situation and he knew that he did not have the solution to his predicament. So he goes back to that simple faith, that simple trust. That he had developed on the hills around bethlehem while mining the sheep he declares and he and this is the 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 this is with his total being he declares that his only security is the lord he says it is you who watch over my way in the path where i walk you are my refuge my portion in the land of the living Set me free from my prison, that I may praise your name. David is back with that simple, straightforward trust that enabled him to kill the lion and the bear and Goliath. He has risen out of his despair, and he has risen into the arms of God, and he is just where God wants him to be. Whatever trial, whatever difficulty, that we go through, the key to escape is faith. Simple, straightforward faith. You know, the sad thing is that so often when people are in situations either because of mistreatment or because of their own foolishness. Instead of rising in faith in God, they stay in the prison. They stay in the cave. And in fact, sadly, they can spend their whole lives in resentment and in bitterness because of something that has happened to them. But David, in that psalm, there's a confession of need and dependence, and then a declaration of renewed faith. Also it was at that time that he wrote Psalm 34, Look, it says, do not fret because of those who are evil, or be envious of those who do wrong for like the grass they will soon wither like green plants they will soon die away trust in the Lord and do good dwell in the land and and enjoy safe pasture take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart commit your way to the Lord trust also in him and he will do this he will make your righteous he will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn Your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently before him. The whole psalm just oozes, overflows with his newfound joy and contentment and security. And contrary to what we might think, this day in that cave of Adullam was one of the most important days in David's life for it was in this day that he he discovered that ultimately God is his only security, that it's not his intelligence, it's not his abilities, it's not his personality, it's not his gifts, it's only God And see, that's the difference between someone who is walking with God and someone someone who has some kind of connection. The person who really walks with God knows and deeply feels in the pit of their stomach, so to speak, that only God is the key to their life. At this point, David has no idea about his future. (laughs) He's praising God, but he has no idea about his future. He has no support. He has no army to protect him against Saul. He is there just sitting alone in a cave. But in the darkness, faith rises in his heart to praise God. You know, the wonderful truth about God is this, that once he takes hold of us, he never lets us go, and he will supply our need just when he's ready, because he has promised to never never leave us, nor forsake us. As I read this account, and knowing the whole life of David, it encourages me to realise that we must never ever be pessimistic about our future. But we we must always be optimistic. And I say this not because I'm, I'm some sort of positive thinking jag, but because I stand On the promise given to us in Scripture look at this in Romans chapter 8 and verse 31 what then shall we say in response to these things Paul's thinking about this the 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 great doctrine of salvation that he has outlined in the first uh, in the first seven chapters what it means to be a Christian why it is that we can be Christians and he's saying on the basis of all that I've written about this wonderful salvation In response to this salvation if God is for us who can be against us and then note this next phrase he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things there's the ground of my optimism that's why I must always be optimistic, because God always knows where I am. He always knows what I need, and he will graciously give me all that I need, because I'm in his son. And you know, what we're about to see now is so exciting, because God is about to rebuild David's life. He's got to the point where he realises, without God, he's hopeless. He's not going to make it all happen because of his intelligence and his gifts. It's only God that can make it happen. What happens next? One, his family come to join him. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down down to him there. Now remember, this is David's family. Jesse his father, when Samuel came down to anoint the king, he didn't think David was a candidate. And when Saul ran out of brothers, he said, Oh yeah, there's this this young guy out in the field. (laughs) So he had no, you know, this is Jesse. But Jesse's come. And also Eliab has come. Remember that Eliab was the guy who, at the scene of the battle of Goliath, said he said to David, "You know, you're just an upstart. You just come here to see the show." But now Jesse, Eliab, and all the brothers come down to give David support and care. David couldn't, he he didn't arrange it. He didn't even know how they knew that he was in a Adullam. But you see, this, this is what happens. When we are in our deepest need, God brings to us what we need. And David needed support. David needed emotional stability. And there's nothing better than a great family to give that emotional stability. You see, David's need was also loneliness, and God brings his family down so that David is no longer lonely. David didn't organise it. God just did it. And then we read, God provided 400 desperate men like himself. <laughs> And, you know, I have to smile. I mean, how did these guys know that David was in a But we, look, look what the text says. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him. And he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. <laughs> Where did these guys come from? David needed support. David was in despair about his future, and God brings a little army to him. And I notice what these people were like. I mean, (laughs) what a band of merry men they were. (laughs) They were just like David, in despair. Everyone who was in distress, that is, everybody who was under pressure and greatly distressed, Everyone who was in debt, in other words, those who couldn't pay their bills. And everyone who was discontented, who were bitter in soul because of Saul's mistreatment. These men were the victims, like David, of Saul's dictatorial oppressive rule. Saul's torment. But these men would help David establish his kingdom and they would be his his mighty men of valour. David didn't expect this. That's why it's so exciting to walk with God and why it's so sensible if you like to give our needs to God and say right Lord It's over to you. So you see, God answered David's both needs as he sat in that dark Adullam cave. He answered his need of loneliness. He brought his family. He answered his need of an army and support to, to take away his despair. And God brought these 400 men who were heart and mind devoted to David. It's, the truth is, when we cast ourselves on God, miracles begin to happen. And that's why the title of the message this morning is David was alone, but not long. So here are some lessons for cave dwellers. <laughs> First of all, our does not have to be an end. If we cast ourselves on God, it will be a new beginning in our relationship with God. So many Christians, when everything goes wrong, and in times of mistreatment, never escape the cave of Adullam, because they can't see beyond it. David did the exact opposite. Look what he says. is another psalm that he wrote at the same time. I cry to God most high, to God who vindicates me. He sends from heaven and saves me, rebuking those who hotly pursue me. God sends forth his love and his faithfulness. You know, David discovered that When all you have is God, you discover he is all you need. Secondly, in our Adullam, remember God's love and faithfulness never fails. He will provide all our needs. I remember in one church I was at... A young woman who was a keen christian she came to me and said oh john i've um, i'm going out with a young guy i said oh great she said "Um, he's not a christian i said oh i said what does the scripture say about that and of course she sort of said you're telling me to give him up i said no no I'm simply saying you, you love the Lord what does the scripture say about that she said well not to be unequally yoked it's not good for Christians to marry non-Christians anyway a week later she came back and she broke down in tears and I felt an absolute heal I've got to tell you I felt terrible she broke down in tears and a week later she came to me and said um, I've given him up She was finishing her teaching degree and she said to me, I'm just going to put this whole question in God's hands. And so her first teaching appointment was down at Norseman, which is 723 kilometres in the wilderness down there. (laughs) But she said, I'm trusting God. So down to Norseman she went and uh, came back every holidays and we got caught up and she was really going on with the Lord end of first year second year uh, she had another year down there after the uh, after the first term she came back and said you know, guess what John she said a young Christian guy has been appointed to the staff at, <laughs> at uh, the Norseman school I said oh but she said I don't know whether he's the one I'm not I'm, I'm not taking that he's the one I said, okay Anyway, by the time the second term finished, they were an item, they were going out. God had met her need because she realised God was the key to her life. And I had the joy, they asked me to say grace at their wedding reception. But that's what happens. Look at, and, this, and another psalm that David wrote during that time was Psalm 34. And this is what it says Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you, his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weary and hungry, but those who seek the Lord, Will lack no good thing. And finally, I close with this faith never knows where it's being led, but it loves and knows the one who is leading. Faith never knows where it is being led, but it loves and knows the one was leading.